Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I am joined by one of my standing co-hosts, Mr. Alex Stewart with the Market Distillery. Thanks for being on the show, brother. Hey. Good to have you on here today. Glad to be here. This is like our Super Bowl week. I feel uh, like every man. time an inflation report comes out, <laughs> yeah, here we, we get, are. We get giddy, the nerd glasses go on, yep. and we get ready to dig in. Yeah, and you know, I'm excited about this because this is that, this is the moment where we've been like, here it is. It's starting to happen, and mm-hmm. everything we've been forecasting is really starting to come really out and, and in the open now, and it's really cool to see. And you know, buyers, buckle up because here's what's happening. For those of you that have been waiting on those rates to come down, that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a very fluid summer, which we're going to talk about some months of purchase frenzy with rates in the fives. Real estate agents, get your buyers lined up because it's about to happen. And sellers, hey, this may be the time where you're starting to see, and I'm just going to warn buyers, you're starting to see sellers pull back on some of those you know, concessions that they're making because the multiple offers are already starting to set in. We're already hearing reports from the around the country, not just in specific areas anymore. Mm-hmm. Multiple offers are starting to become a thing. Inventory's down. We heard Daniel Halverson on the mic a couple of uh, weeks ago talk about the inventory conundrum that's happening. You got just shy of a million uh, homes in inventory, and over 40% of those are under contract, leaving less than 600,000 homes available for inventory. And we're just not getting that backfilled with the builders catching up fast enough. So it, the, the perfect storm is starting to happen here, which is going to ultimately lead to prices going up. But for we'll table that for later. Let's dive right into this report here, because what I love about this report is number one, the headline came down. So we had a headline reading showing inflation is down. So if you're part of the current administration, yay, we are winning the inflation battle. If you're the Federal Reserve, you know, pick one of the four indexes you've created here that we've talked about, mm-hmm. the core, the sticky core, you know, the, the super, core. super core. I mean, it's a, the par core index, Quant- whatever, quantum you, core. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to talk about. Pick the one that you think fits what your agenda is, go for it. And then, you know, ultimately, if you're the general public, um, you're probably getting a little excited just to see some of that come down as well because it should reflect in your pocketbook and your checking account. Now, there is a downside to this is we're going to talk about we think this is very short-lived um, because of what we've been talking about over the course of the last three weeks. Short-lived, probably going to get a three, four-month ramp up. But all signs are pointing towards that as well as we've kicked the can down the road with some of the, you know, helping of, let's call it as the bell out of some of the banks that we've seen thus far. And also, you know, I think, I think, you know, Signature Bank and SBV Bank, they catch the brunt of that bailout, if you may. But the reality is when the, when the Federal Reserve is buying back on that temporary buyback mm-hmm. and trading, you know, underwater, you know, long-term bonds, excuse me, long-term notes and mortgage-backed securities for a par value, that's also bailing out a situation as well. So, all of that's unfolding, leading to more inflation that is being pushed down the road. But as of now, we're here to talk about the win for now, and that's the current CPI index. And hey, you know, when we take a look at that, there's some components that make this up, if you may, that I think are worth noting here. And that's going to be uh, shelter cost, and we're going to talk about that. And then we've got the owner's equivalent of rent, which we've talked about over and over again, but we'll bring our audience up to speed on that. And then also some of the lodging Com, uh, components here that are kind of the, the making up. While it's a smaller component, it's still making up a portion of that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've had some other things such as used car prices go down. Uh, we've also had uh, airlines go up. Mm-hmm. So there's some things that are kind of offsetting that. But none, nonetheless, let's jump right into it. Alex, you want to kick it off with what, what does this headline mean? We talk about core, we talk about headline, just a quick overview. Describe what both those are for our audience. Yeah, we'll define it. So uh, headline is basically saying we take all the items in the United States in the basket, you know, again, supermarket sweep yep. style where they've put them all in there to try to measure what are prices doing overall. Right. And they say some things are worth more than others, such as shelter costs, right? Yep. We know that the cost of housing is a big component in this basket. Absolutely. Uh, so they put all that in there and they come up with a index number that is meant to give you one number 
that measures prices as a whole in the United States, and they track that one number. And it so measures everything in that grocery cart. Correct. Right? So you get a monthly change, but when we say inflation's at 5% now, what that is is that's a 12-month change. It's comparing where are we today compared to where were we 12 months ago, mm-hmm. and it's saying what's the percent change in that. Um, so there's that headline, and that is sort of, again, it's the headline. It's what gets sure. the attention. That's the main number. Uh and that fell from six to five, right? So that's why there was all this fanfare when the report came mm-hmm. out of, oh my gosh, that's a big drop, right? We're, we're seeing some major progress here. Absolutely. Um, they then have a core uh, measure which strips out food and energy because food and energy are deemed volatile. They, If there is a flood or uh, a drought, then food prices can can be drastically affected by that. If, right. if um, energy prices, we see this, all the time. They go up and down, very volatile. So the Fed created the core measure to say, okay, how can we try to get a picture of maybe a little bit more of a stable uh, measurement of what prices are doing? And so that's what the core is. Now, the core is an interesting one because the core uh, did not see this significant drop. It actually went up uh, one-tenth of a percent Mm -hmm. from last month to this month. So you get a different picture there. You say, okay, total numbers going down. But the core number is actually going up slightly. And when you dig into those numbers, it's all energy, right? It's 100%. energy costs. And we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit. But then they have, uh, again, the super core like we talked about on a previous episode where they're stripping even more things out to try to get to uh, a more live, real-time measurement of prices that we sort of question if that's right. even possible. Right. And then finally there is a sticky uh, – <laughs> CPI, and that is created by the Atlanta Fed. Uh, they've got published research on it. They they publish the actual number, right? We haven't mm-hmm. seen a published number on Supercore. Not yet. But Sticky's out, and um, that is meant to measure things that don't normally change price too frequently. So that's alcohol, that's baby diapers, that's cost of rent, things like that that do not normally move drastically. And the research that they've done shows that that is – potentially a more accurate measure of future inflation. Mm-hmm. They, they say this points to where inflation is probably going to go right. better than the other measures that may go a little more up and down. And so um, when we put all that together and you say, what's the bottom line here? We say, okay, the big number's coming down, right? The headline number, but these other core and sticky core and all those are are not moving as much. They're staying pretty entrenched, and now they're actually above the headline number. So, so what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, when you see like the core intact and above, and then you see the headline coming down. I mean, what I'm hearing here is I'm hearing that hey, listen, energy and food that's that's pretty volatile, right? Yep. So we're going to strip that out. But the things that aren't volatile that are more real time that we can actually see coming in, and this is that kind of this is kind of that short lived excitement that I have right now because this is telling me if I'm a consumer that listen this this inflation it's it we're going to win for a little bit but it looks like that's that kicking down the ran, road excuse me of the can if you may is starting to show up right now well and I feel you know I don't know if this is a fair analogy but you know I love a good analogy I, I feel like this is like a fighter <laughs> getting ready for a fight yeah. and they lose all the water weight okay okay their weight is changing because this water weight's fluctuating Great not because they've actually lost any right. weight per se um, energy prices are like water weight they, they go down and they go up. And when you look at what happened in yeah. March, energy prices dropped. 
but they've already gone back up. Like we see now real time in April where they are. Yeah. You know, uh, OPEC came out and said, we're cutting down our, our supply. Correct. And oil jumped, right? It went from 80 to 60 in March. Now it's gone from 60 to 80 in April. And you're so, seeing that at the pump right now. Correct. You're and seeing so this is live action there. Right. So th- the cool part about this is if you're paying attention to this, mm-hmm. if you're watching these sort of things, if you're listening this, to this type of information, you can go, okay, next month. I'm not going to be too sur- surprised if this headline number right. that includes energy prices is now going back up. Because guess what? Food didn't do. Food did not go backwards. It's not Food is to. is eight and a half percent. Food is ridiculously expensive, yeah. and it's a straight line up to the right. So, right. Um, I think this helps us to forecast probably what we think is going to happen. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, it helps everybody understand why. You, you can no longer be a headline consumer, right? You have to actually go a little bit deeper and understand what's going on there because we saw this in mortgage rates and mm-hmm. in the bond market. The mm-hmm. report came out, inflation was down to five. We saw on our screens, the market basically said, heck Hooray. yeah, Hooray. Right. let's go, yeah. rates dropped. And then it's like, once they got a chance to read the report, we finished the day and we were not that great. We, yeah, were, we were very, very unchanged. Right? We were very flat. So, I mean, it took about four hours for a reversal to take place because of the headline. And then you dive into the headline and you got a four-hour reversal. Was there that much windfall that happened in that four hours? No. Were you going to make that big of a difference? Probably not. But what we were looking for there was momentum. And we were hoping that momentum carried into the next day. And what happened was instead of that, there was just a little bit of backtrack. Now, what I do want to point out is this, is that – there was some flashes, some glimpse, if you may, of what's coming. Sure. And so I think what you're going to see is I think this adds pause for the Federal Reserve. I think the Federal Reserve literally could potentially pause uh, in May, and, and they could say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to pump the brakes here, or mm-hmm. they might do another quarter. Um, you know, I listened to a discussion on TV yesterday, and I think, you know, I like going back and forth between the channels. I'm not like, a, hey, I got to stay on this one channel, because I think I get— I think I get a full digestion of all the different points of views the more I kind of flicker through. So yesterday I had it on rotating. I think this was on CNBC, and you're watching hedge fund analysts literally argue Mm -hmm. amongst themselves of what the Fed's going to do next. And what I thought was interesting was that uh, almost every one of them thought that they were going to pause and that the quarter they just did was an absolute, like, insult meaning that they're going to pull it back off the table. It's not even going to happen again. Why do it? Why Why even make that notion? Um, and what was interesting, though, was there was a gentleman, and I wish I'd wrote his name down on the end of this uh, this this half-moon yeah. circle, mm-hmm. and he's sitting there arguing over and over again. The, it doesn't matter what we think. The Federal Reserve controls the economy. The Federal control – they control everything. And I thought that was interesting because I'm like, well – to your point, maybe that's true, but that's not the intent. That's not how it should be. And the fact that we're kind of just like, you know, caving into that idea that they control all of this, they control the economy mm-hmm. is, uh, is pretty absurd, actually, uh, because that shouldn't be the case. But the reality is, you know, right now they're the new market swinger. You know, whatever they say, whatever right. minutes are released, right. all of this stuff changes the, the depth of everything. But one of the guys in the middle argued that we are in a recession, and mm-hmm. he argued that there is no soft landing and that the Federal Reserve has absolutely – crashed the market. And I thought that was interesting because the market's showing, you know, it's like 33,000, the Dow's 33, mm-hmm. the S&P is up, uh, NASDAQ is higher than it's, you know, been, even though all this bad stuff's happening. And he's saying crash the market. And it really, uh, not really showing up yet, but all that's on the heels of this report. And what we're seeing are these analysts' reaction to the report and what right. they think the Fed's going to do next. And what was interesting is by the end of that conversation, they all just felt like, you know, none of them, do. I guess what I'm getting at is you had five deemed experts on this panel and none of them knew what they were going to do. And none of them really had an argument as to why. And I thought that was interesting. Leave me to believe they're as baffled as a lot of other people as what's going on on there. And when we broke down that consumer price index, 
the, the main things that make up that index is going to be the shelter costs, which we've talked about. Right. And it was interesting because I, I, I attempted to listen to this panel describe what shelter cost was, and it was pretty pathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. They couldn't break this down and understand it. So uh, I'd like to add a little bit more levity you know, sure. to the conversation for our audience of what it is. You know, and when you go into it, it makes up 43% of the CPI. Right. Like it's a heavyweight hitter of the CPI. And you know, as it comes down or it goes up, what you're finding is that, hey, that's that's going to be a big market swing in this index. Right. And right now we're still showing that it's at a higher rate than, than what we believe it should be. And because it's a lagging indicator, it takes time for that to catch up. And we think the catch up starts next month. Right. And we'll start to see some of this downward pressure on this indicator starting next month as we're starting right. to see a crest in, in, in the index. But you want to explain what shelter cost is to the audience here just so they get an idea of what it is? Yeah, they've got a few different ways to measure people's housing costs. And the reason why it's weighted so much is obviously your mortgage payment or your rent payment is one of your biggest expenses as mm-hmm. a household. Uh, although I think a lot of people might argue that food's getting up there, but, yep. um, it is measured through owner's equivalent rent, which is where they call homeowners and they say, if you were going to rent your house, how much would you rent it for? Correct. And they write down the numbers and they do this every month and then they track. And there's no rhyme or reason who they call. There's no consistency in who they call. It's it's they, mostly who answers the phone, right? Correct. I yeah. mean, we we yeah. we know this when you do surveys. It's all about just who actually responds. Who answers that? Not yep. not necessarily. And and I do think logically, when you think about that, any person is going to say a little bit above their mortgage payment, most likely. Sure. And the only reason why things would go up is if their mortgage payment went up. So we've seen a lot of taxes and insurance yep. go up. So that could affect that. Or news reports that rents are going up would influence them to say, well, sure. I heard on the news rents now more here's, expensive, so I would actually rent my house for more. Yeah. So here's here's my analogy for you on owner's equivalent of rent. All right. This is why the jury cannot be influenced and they're quarantined during yep. a trial because they, they don't want the news headlines to influence their decision making. Right. It's exactly what happens in owner's equivalent of rent. You got the headlines saying, hey, mortgage prices are up. You've got rents are up. And then they also know their taxes and insurance going up. So they're influenced before they even answer that call. Sure. And so that does make a decision, or excuse me, that does weigh on that decision when they answer that question. Sure. Yeah. I think it would be far more accurate or it would be an interesting, and maybe this is something that we can even do to compare Zillow's rent index to say the shelter index sure. to actually see, because uh, I think Zillow's index is probably a lot more real time as Definitely. to what, what those rent costs are changing, what those housing costs are changing uh, compared to this method. But it's been what they've done for a long time. It is a very big deal to change methodology because you've put a lot of work into justifying it and having it be established. And then all of a sudden, if they were to come out and say, well, we're no longer going to do this, well, then what do you do with all the history mm-hmm. of data, right? right. Now, now you have an issue of, well, does that even matter, right? Because we can't go back in time. And, right. Yeah. So, but, so and, that's why stuff like this sticks around. Yeah, and, and, and again, for our listeners, it's a 12-month average. So even if we get it real time now, we still got a drag and lag of another 11 months that we still have to account for in this methodology, right. which is why you're seeing us so uh, emphatic about why it's going to drop because we're seeing all of these numbers, if you may, from the February to April, you know, to February, August. Those are really high owner's equivalent of rents that we think are going to start coming down because it's cresting right now uh, in the marketplace. And so we, we do believe that we're going to see a, a better average than what – because if the average is all the same now without these spikes in it that we saw during that time, we're going to get a lower reading, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah, and to be clear with all of this, just to reiterate it, if, if you have inflation rate of zero, it does not mean prices are going down. That's it just not. It just means they're not going up. So when we say inflation's down to 5% or shelter costs are down uh, – 
compared to what they were. That does not mean that the cost of housing is going down. It just means it's going up slower. And so that is what people are celebrating. Right. And we do see that the housing costs, when they've looked at this, it's very lagging. The real rents live jumped up dramatically mm-hmm. In 2020, 2021, as soon as that sort of became acceptable, but the shelter costs in this measurement of the CPI did not pick that up, and it stayed very, very moderate for a long time. And now we're seeing these higher readings come in after real rents have sort of rolled over on their growth. Right. So, you know, I think it's confusing to a lot of people, but at the end of the day, it is something that probably will lead to better readings going forward. Mm-hmm. We expect the inflation numbers to get better in the next several months because of this. Um, But we are seeing a lot of, again, warning signs that would would say we should not jump the gun and say inflation is done. The Fed has won because we are not seeing any reprieve in food prices. We're not seeing any reprieve in services uh, rendered, right? The cost to have something done. And even goods, they went down, they're starting to go back up. You look at the price of commodities, they're starting to go back up. You look at the price, as you said, used cars. It's funny because we got- Yeah, they're starting to go back up. Correct. They're They're starting to go back up. up. You know, the average uh, price of a used car went from $31,000 down to $28,000 from summer of last year to just uh, in February, but now it's gone back up to $29,000. Correct. So we're starting to see, okay- did we basically take a pause and now it's it's the next phase of this, the next leg right. of this? And you and I have talked about this a lot that when stuff happens, the Fed throws money at it to mm-hmm. fix it, right? And a bunch of money got put into the banking system to prop it up. Uh, you know, we we asked our bank owner, uh, hey, how do you view this? Because you own, you own the bank. Right. What do you think of this? And he said, well, I, I think it's going to have the same effects as QE, even though it's not necessarily deemed QE. QE. And yeah. and the same effects are prices go up. Sure. So that's one of these things where we just have a lot to sort of watch out for. But in the short term, this should be a, a pretty good opportunity. Yeah. I mean, this is not going to be a situation where it's going to be a cruel summer. It's actually going to be a great summer for all of our buyers and all of our sellers. You are going to experience something with a five handle on it for interest rates. You know, if you're a real estate agent and you've been tuning in and you've been listening, now's the time. Right. Call, call your prospects, get them ready. If you're a lender and you've got everyone in the pipeline that's been waiting, now the wait is over. It's time to get them out there because, you know, there's a very, there's a very logical chance. You could be low fives. You could be mid fives. You're definitely going to be the high fives. It's going to happen. And now if you have a seller that's strategy, you know, is, is, is to, I want to move my home and I'm willing to help you do that by a seller concession. My goodness, you could have probably a rate you never thought you were going to get on the board because right. that's going to be available during the summer. The challenge is lack of inventory. That's always been the challenge when something like this happens. And I think from a buyer's perspective, you got to say, hey, listen, do I, do I want to get into the real estate game? I'm probably not going to find my forever home as my first time as a buyer. That's okay. Like, understand that this could become an asset for you a year down the road, two years down the road. You know, there's a lot of programs that are available to where you could make that a better home without having to do a renovation. There's a lot of stuff to get with your lender on because it's a phenomenal opportunity that's on the horizon and it's right in front of you right now. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, 
Maybe it's a second home. Maybe it's an investment property. Or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in. Take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I do believe, along with you, this is a short-lived run. You're mm-hmm. probably going to see three, four months of it, and then that's it. We're going to mm-hmm. be back in those sixes, you know, maybe even the upper sixes as this inflationary measure starts to roll back in on the other side of the downward trend. You know, we use this analogy, a roller coaster. As it comes down, it has to come right back up, and we're, we're on the downward slope now. And once we once we hit all the momentum of the rest of that roller coaster going with us, it's going to come back up. And that's, you know, what we believe is going to happen August, September timeframe of this year. Yeah. When you look at some of these numbers, uh, you know, we, we know locally we saw our inventory uh, almost uh, – the months of inventory almost get cut in half, right? We've sure. gone from four to about two. Nationally, Nationally yeah, we've go gone from 3.3 down to 2.6. So this is not a local Florida thing. No, this is a national trend. Correct. And th- that doesn't mean that every market is experiencing that, right? That's on right. the average. There are certainly markets where I'm sure there are people leaving leaving those areas and, and going somewhere else, and there's not people coming back, so they have more houses. But in general – the crisis in housing is a supply crisis, not a demand crisis, right? We don't have a bubble from bad loans that's going to burst and Mm -hmm. everybody's got these elevated values. We have high prices because guess what? It's really hard to find a house to buy. It's just simple. I mean, it's very simple. If I can't produce enough of the product and you're going to want the demand mm-hmm. of that product, the price is going to go up, mm-hmm. right? Because I only have so much of it to sell. I got to maximize my profitability. That's exactly what's unfolding right now in the real estate market. I mean, it's limited inventory, mm-hmm. high demand. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's highly discounted, I know we've talked about it, but maybe we haven't talked about it enough, is every year there's a new wave of buyers right. that are being added into that demand pool every single day. And I think that's something that's highly overlooked because we are, you know, when you go back to 08 and 07 and and all those years that people want to compare to, the demand was not there actually because the amount of buyers that were being added to that buyer pool were were minor, Mm -hmm. very minor Mm -hmm. because you're looking at birth rates from the 1970, Mm -hmm. I think 77, 76, and fast forward 33 years later, there you are in 2006, 2007, 2008, and nine and so forth. But you look at 33 years ago or 32 years ago from today, and you look forward, you're seeing some of the highest birth rates on the charts. And so those buyers are coming to the table now, adding to this buyer pool that's already overflowing. And so the demand appears on paper and and per the data to continue to keep growing over the next three to four years and not going away. So that notion of, hey, I'm just going to wait for the home prices to go down or, hey, we're in a bubble, it's going to burst, that's why that notion isn't as accurate or really isn't as doom and gloom as people want to make it out because that's not the case. And, And that demand alone is dry the stability of prices across the country. That's another thing. And, you know, I kind of want to point out, in 2016, the headlines, in any any headline you were looking at, real estate is at the peak. Real estate is going to burst. What happened? We went up 4%. 17, same thing. 18, same thing. 19, same thing. We even crested 7% in 19. 2020, same thing, right? COVID crisis, housing, everything's going to go down. What, we only went up double digits around the United States. 21, same thing. 22, still went up a little bit. Mm -hmm. The reality still finished up. The reality is the headlines want to lead you to believe that, hey, listen, if you believe this housing crisis was going to happen since 2016, you may have missed out on an average of 43% of equity. That's insane when you think about it. So you got to really understand the foundation of 
supply and demand in this equation because mm-hmm. that's not <laughs> that's not been the case in years past. Right. And there's just a huge demand right now. Well, and when you look back at history, I, I think that is always going to leave a lot of clues. And who are, you know, when you look at the wealthiest people, mm-hmm. what do they invest in? And always how do, right, it's always, always real estate. And how do they think about this? You know, we, we, you know, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was interested in getting into the lending business uh, when I first talked to you in the very beginning because I, I understood, look, when you look at the wealthy people, they owned real estate and they lent out money, mm-hmm. right? That, that was the two ways that I think the most wealthiest people in the world typically earned their their living uh, or, or created Leveraged. their fortunes, right? And the smart people know how to use debt. If if interest rates on a house right now mm-hmm. are five and a half, six percent and the inflation rate is five and a half, six percent. That means that your interest rate is free. It's because or less. inflation is yep. basically saying, yeah, that is gonna take away all that interest. That's what they call it the real interest rate. Right. And that is what these billionaires look at. They say, what is the cost of borrowing money? Well, I'd care about what the inflation rate is because that's how much money's losing its value. And if money's losing its value at the same cost that I'm paying for money, then I am effectively getting the money for free. That's and correct. that is huge. That's huge. Well, when you develop a mindset like that, that's a that's a, an abundance style mindset, right? You're always looking to grow, always looking to leverage. And it's a comfortability thing. You got to get comfortable with it. And I mean, if I'm looking at a first time home buyer, I'm not trying to explain to them real interest rate. Like that, that's, a, that's heavy to take on, right? But maybe I can work into the equation of, hey, listen, right now this first time home you're buying is a liability. Let's look down the road of how we can turn that into an asset. Sure. And I can get them to understand that. Sure. And, and the reality is with this is, um, you know, I think this is an important measurement that just completely, you know, is overlooked because I think when people buy a home or even the lender that's helping them or the real estate agent that's helping them, our, our focus is on getting them in the home. Yep. But I think the greater focus is how do we help them accumulate another home? How do we help them accumulate that wealth through real estate? Sure, exactly. That'd be the greater focus here for that particular buyer, especially first-time home buyer. So the last thing I want to end on, as we go into the Federal Reserve, we got one more reading coming out. The mm-hmm. PCE is going to be a big one. That's their Fed's favorite form of inflation coming out, I believe, next week. Um, one of the things that we're going to be looking for on that is consumer spending. We're going to be looking at what happens here because why are we looking at consumer spending? Because one of the things we dive into is the credit card debt. Right now, uh, it's just shy of $980 billion. On the last reading, are we going to get over a trillion? That's important because if people are debt financing their life, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about you talked about people that use debt to their advantage responsibly. Credit card debt not being paid off, that's not responsible debt spending, right? right? And that's getting uglier by the minute. And so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, especially as you go into a recession. This is usually a recessionary warning sign, if you may. Right. Um, and, and that's because costs have gone up so much, people are having to debt finance to pay for certain things that we discussed. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. The other thing is, if you look at the Federal Reserve, on their decision, two of the things they've actively said they're looking at is unemployment yep. going from 3.5, 3.6 to 5%. They're, they're saying we are prepared to let it go to 5%, meaning they're prepared to hurt the job market and let, let companies lay off, right? Mm-hmm. We're starting to see initial claims already go up. So we're seeing higher readings pre-COVID now than before and even higher readings post-COVID. We're seeing some of the highest readings now um, than we've seen before. So maybe that metric's working. And then another thing is they're prepared to get inflation down to 2%, which has been the bulk of our conversation. But in the jobs report that came out on Friday from the BLS, I did want to touch on this briefly. It came in, you know, basically insinuating there were more jobs created mm-hmm. and more jobs filled than anticipated, which was a counter to what the ADP private job sector said, because the mm-hmm. private job sector said, hey, listen, we were down 40,000 jobs, mm-hmm. which correlates with what I just stated and what the Federal Reserve is trying to achieve. But the BLS said, hey, we were up 30, 40,000 jobs. 
when you dive into that report. What I found was interesting here, and I'm just going to point it out, is that those 30,000, 40,000 jobs that were up, guess where they came from? I would assume they're talking about hospitality and, and frontline workers okay, those at, were at restaurants up. and things. Those were up as well, but this particular sector was brought on by the government. Oh, interesting. Yeah. These were government jobs that were created yeah. for people to fulfill. And what I find interesting about that is that's not the private sector. That doesn't come with a bigger paycheck. That's not going to help income battle inflation. And and the question is, they were created. So what does that really mean, right? What does that really mean? How mm-hmm. were they? Are they temporary? Last time I heard, you don't lose a government job though. So those those seem pretty permanent, if you ask yeah. me. Well, <laughs> well, let's back up though. But they also don't come with the same pay that a private job comes with. True. And so my point is, is that going to be able to outrun the inflationary cost? Are we actually making that a little bit worse sure. too? So it'll be interesting to stay tuned to that as we get the PCE reading that comes out next week. And again. Folks, PCE is going to drastically impact the mortgage rate market. Yeah. And if we get the same kind of reading, let's say in similar context that we just got on the CPI that we get on the PCE, we're going to see those rates come down. And yeah. you're going to see that windfall happen. And it and it looks like all signs, the setup is there, the ball is on the tee. Is it going to happen? I believe so. Yeah, we've seen three months in the PCE that have sort of flattened out, right? We got four, six, four, seven, four, six. Yep. So I, I think you could either look at that as a pause on, before you go on the way down yep. or a pause before you potentially go on the way back up. But um, the the numbers that the Atlanta Fed puts out says it's 50-50 that the Fed raises rates. Okay. Right? So that's the odds is, is about 50% chance that they increase at a quarter. Uh, so, you know, we're still a coin flip at this point. And I think if I'm the Fed, you know, you still have work to do. It's just – What's the risk? And they may know more about maybe that iceberg under the water that we haven't really talked about because yeah. everybody has sort of moved on in the news cycle yep. to, well, no, nothing to see here. No worries about the banks. Yeah, that's interesting. Problem what's, fixed. what's the gentleman's name that works at the Washington Post? It's kind of been the mole for the Fed. I don't recall I don't his, name, his but, name, but over the course of the last really eight, nine, 10 meetings, yeah. you know, there's been a mole that's kind of leaked what the Federal Reserve is going to do. By design, yeah. he's doing that to prep the markets to kind of forewarn. He hasn't been around for the last two meetings, by the way. He has not been out there, which is interesting because it's almost like the Federal Reserve is keeping that decision closer to the chest than than leaking it out in fear of the markets overreacting to the decision like they've been doing. So this is this will be interesting to watch. Do we hear whispers in the hallways before they meet here the first week of May? We've got a couple of weeks before that happens. But anyway, look at it. I'm excited about mm-hmm. the next coming months, especially if you're in the real estate industry, especially if you're a prospective buyer that's been on the sidelines waiting. Now is your time. Uh, we're very excited for you. What an opportunity. Take advantage of this moment because that's probably going to be here for about four months. Absolutely. Alex, thanks again for being on the show. Yep. Uh, audience, where can we tell them about more about Market Distillery? Yeah, themarketdistillery.com, Instagram at themarketdistillery, and uh, you'll get wonderful graphics that will help you to, to visualize what we're talking about. And uh, obviously, we've got lots of socials for what's yep. your one more to be able to actually see what we're talking about. Yeah, today. you know, I love what you're doing over there. You're growing this so quickly and robustly over there. The feedback's awesome, and I uh, love being a part of it. And, and if you like what we're doing here, share our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach out to a friend, say, hey, check this out. Five-star review it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not listening to us on Spotify, Spotify, we're on every platform, but recent update, Spotify is now incorporating video in every single podcast mm-hmm. where you can just turn the phone around and you can see the video and the audio. It's got some great Q&A and polls in there as well. Uh, super stoked with what they've done over the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then as well as on Apple Podcasts, that's where we got our largest following right now, just recently ranked top 10% globally mm-hmm. and uh, top one and a half percent in our category. So five-star review us, leave a comment specifically to the episode and uh, and share some uh, and share some comments you have in there. We'd love to hear it. And then check us out on our socials at What's Your One More. That's with the number one at What's Your One More. Alex, thanks again for being on the show. Yep. Have a great day. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I 
said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah